Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Backyard Tabletop. Hello. That's where you are. <laughs> In case you got lost. And My that, name that's, is that's Curtis. Curtis I'm the other, yeah, I'm the other one. Sorry, I was yeah. about to take a drink. I don't know why. I don't know what possessed me to try and take a drink right as you were introducing. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to wait for Curtis to take a drink, okay? Just give him a moment. Just like Baby Yoda with the bowl of soup. Oh, yeah. Hi, I'm Curtis. <laughs> Welcome again to the Backyard Tabletop. Um, if you are a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back and seeing what us goobers are going to be talking about this week. This bi-week. Bi-week? Yes. Um, and, if, and if you're new, welcome to... To the backyard, come on in. Um, we don't really have a fireplace going today. Maybe that'll be at some point. Um, the res- fire restrictions are pretty low right now. Um, but today we're just gonna just just relax, have a drink, and just talk about some D and D. That's it. Well, l- last episode <laughs> I kind of took. The lead on a lot of what we are talking about. So this time we are going to get to Curtis. Um, but I just thought I'm going to really just throw a loop in for Curtis because I haven't told him this. I, oh, I just okay. love surprising him with stuff like this. I love everybody. Know, every, hey, Jake. Yeah. Everybody yeah. who knows me knows I love surprises. You love surprises. Yes, indeed. He does. So um, the reason why I thought of this was because uh, this was actually months ago when I was making Dara for the first time. We were importing him into Roll20, uh, and I had already made him on D&D Beyond. And as you guys know, it's probably a very common thing to uh, just make characters in D&D Beyond. Um, I currently uh-huh. have like 37 in there. Um, Curtis is, blows me way out of the water. How many characters do you have on D&D Beyond, Curtis, that you've created and still have? Give me... Uh, oh, take your time. A couple take- <laughs> minutes. I actually have a tab open. I'm just really curious because I feel like this is indeed a part, uh, like, just something you do in your off time. You know, you're you're bored, you're just sitting there. I typically will just start making a character just for fun. Actually, not as bad as I thought. I'm not over 100 oh. yet. I'm at 93. 93 that's not bad that's that's not bad and to to be fair probably eight or so of those are are uh my wife joelle's oh <laughs> yeah you guys share that's yeah. well that's budget friendly i appreciate that <laughs> yeah what, what uh the uh the the fifth character that you have on there you should you should just tell us about that that character that you made what, what's the point of that fifth character on your list the fifth one down or the fifth one i ever made Fifth one you ever made. Okay, well, let me go from oldest to newest. Uh, one, <laughs> two, three, four. Oh, the fifth one down is uh, is Krivkul. You remember Krivkul? Krivkul? Krivkul. He was, Krivkul. Uh, he was my level five uh, dragonborn. He was a paladin. Um, He's not in any campaigns. I don't remember what... I've, I know I played him in one of your games. He still has the Liam O'Brien for president. Uh, oh gosh, that's amazing, man! This this must have been a while ago. I remember your your uh, your lizard folk uh, one. Yes, that was that was quite a bit later. 
Okay, so this was before that. Oof. Uh, this was before Kuro, even. Oh, goodness. Oh, wow. Okay, so so basically, you just don't delete your characters. No, 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 no. I saw my first ever character, Cadus Felwind. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's so cool. Wow. So when you do just make a character to play, like, or just you're bored and you create a character, do you keep that one or do you usually delete it? Do you only keep like really good ideas? I've only ever deleted um, characters that are just blank. Oh, okay. That I've never done anything with. That I've made. I've made one thinking I'm going to do this thing, and then never actually go and make it, and so I just delete it. So any character I've ever actually made and built out has never been deleted. Dip made fun of me. Our our dungeon master made fun of me for having like 37 characters. He was like, dude, why do you have so many characters? And I was like... Yeah, he has like two that he's ever made. <laughs> so I was like, because this is what this is what D&D players do. I guess he's the dungeon master. Right. So, you know, forever, forever DM type of thing. But I feel yeah. like because I'm always DMing, I usually have characters that I'm just, I wish I could play one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot, <laughs> a lot of mine kind of stem from like, ooh, what if I had this? What if I did this? That sounds like a cool idea. And then I'll like make a character. And then, yeah, like a bunch of these characters are either unnamed or their names are like um, the name of the build, you know. Not oh, necessarily okay. the characters name themselves. There are a couple copies hmm. in here because what I will do if I'm trying to decide if I like want a character to go this way or that way mm-hmm. uh, with subclasses or something, I'll make a copy of them and build them out separately and kind of see how I like how it feels. And then the copies end up not really getting deleted. Yeah. No, that's good because I do that too. I've done that actually a couple times with Dara because there's there's different ideas and there's different feats you may want to take. And it's like, well, what if, what if I take this one? But I typically usually delete the copy. So yeah, I don't yeah, know. I think, uh, yeah, I think one of the ones in here that I still, we've never gotten around to trying to play it. One of the ones that I, in here that I still really want to play at some point is, um, oh, I have Kobe Shadebinder in here. Callback. Kobe Shadebinder. Oh, yes. What a Episode name that two. was. That was great. Uh, you know what? One of these days, I think it'd be fun to go back and revisit Kobe Shadebinder. Yeah. One of the ones I really <laughs> want to play in here that I haven't really gotten to play much was uh, is Kraith. He hmm. was a, he's a, a half-orc fighter at level two, and then he was going to go... Um, paladin and maybe even a little bit of barbarian or something he was Ooh. he was meant to be like a like a long pike tank uh like as tank as you can get in D D is gonna be really Ooh. fun but that's really cool one day he was, he was one of the characters i was thinking of playing for your city campaign i think actually oh that's interesting and then you went with Korakot. fun mm-hmm. fact curtis names all of his characters with k yeah, I think we've mentioned that once or twice. Yeah, I think we. I may think have. when <laughs> I think when we did our playthrough, I was like, "I'm just gonna hit randomize till he has a K first name." Nice. Um, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, that's so good. Well, I was just curious because we we tend to just make characters. I love making characters, it's fun. and it 
it really is just a great brainstorming thing. I just love being creative with it. And yeah, I, I will say um, we also have probably a very different thought of like, oh, I should go make that character real quick. Because for you, it's probably like, wouldn't it be cool if there was a character who had this story? Yeah, it really is. How would I make that into a class and then you decide what <laughs> class things you're going to make and then you do this? Yep. Nope, and for, that's very and, much it. And for me, it's nope. like, what if you put a barbarian and like a monk, but you took <laughs> this subclass and then, oh, I need to write, I need to do this. <laughs> I, 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 need, I need to do this real quick. Where are the numbers? Yeah. I, I love it. I really do. Sarah and I do this all the time where she will like, she's a huge reader very avid reader she she reads 500 page books in two days it is insane um but she she usually will she'll just tell me about a character idea and we'll be like "Ooh, that'd be cool that's a really cool twist on on this idea what if we were to do tell this story with it like what class do you think that would be and it's like we kind of go back and forth with this idea and it's it's really fun but <laughs> it may it makes me think almost of like uh, what i thought you were gonna say actually was like Getting a book character and going, what D and D class would they be? <laughs> we we have done that before. I'm actually, sure you have, too. Yeah. <laughs> makes sense. We do the same thing with uh, with characters in TV shows. The latest yeah. one we watched were, was Andor, and we were like, I wonder what class Andor would be. Like he's rogue, uh, and with he's like a high wisdom rogue because he notices a lot of stuff and and he seems to have a lot of expertise in these areas. But he's not necessarily a jack of all trades. He's not good at necessarily everything. He's really good at these couple things, things like that. Here's actually a really fun game that I want us to play right now. Very quick, want us to play right now, but also people at home, you should play in the comments. What D&D class is a Jedi? Oh, just just a, oh, wow. Just if, if if you grabbed a Jedi... What D and D class would you make to play a Jedi? Um, right off the bat, so I think one, for me, one class, no multi-classing. Yeah, for me, it would be Ranger, um, or like a, a Arcane Knight. Really, that is not at all the direction I go. I'm, I'm like interesting. It's either Paladin or Monk, one of those two. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, I could see that. Uh, monk was monk is a definitely a very good one, but I was thinking a little bit more magicy. Yeah, paladin makes a little more sense because you get the spells, like be a little more magicy. But monk for sure is like, um, like a kinsei monk who who is like all about their weapons and stuff. To me, is that that for sure sounds a lot like 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 a warrior Jedi mm-hmm. or a guardian Jedi sorry and then like uh you know like a uh oh what's the one that shoots the laser beams out of their fist that can be more oh, like a consular like uh, astral something no yeah. they send out no, the arms no astral self maybe. is the arms anyway um yeah monk is probably what i would say even, even like like op- way of the open hand you're like pushing people back and forth with your key so i could totally see that the reason why i went ranger was because it's like they're they're like a fighter but they're like in tune with things around them yeah um and so they they have like a very interesting like i don't know i i think it depends on the type of jedi obviously you're going with um 
but I, I like if you're just doing basic i think monk makes a lot of sense yeah i, I wouldn't even have thought ranger for a second hmm. but but now that you mention it, it it makes a little bit of sense yeah well, and it's it's also interesting because this this is the tricky thing because I've I've actually heard it said many times that people believe paladins should get their oath at first level. It's weird that it comes online at third level. So my idea was Absolutely. like, yeah, I I think I agree with that. But I was also thinking like ranger kind of makes sense because it's like you're training, and then suddenly at third level you get access to magic. So it's like you have to like um, that's why I think actually paladin yeah. was a great choice too because you like have to train. And then when you're ready, you get access to this thing. I think I think those thoughts kind of come from a time when, you know, the idea was pretty much until third level, you're kind of a nobody. Yeah. You know, you're still learning your craft. At your you're you're not a you're not an experienced ranger at first level, you know, mm-hmm. is kind of the mindset behind that. I think it's like it takes a while for you to really get the hang of this natural magic and feeling the weave around you and, and, and nature and stuff. So it takes a while for you to get to that third level and because you're not as naturally in tune with it as, like, say, a druid, right? Right. It's, it's a learned thing. Druids are naturally in tune. Uh, uh, rangers are, it, they learn to become in tune with. Yeah. And it makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. That's a great but then, question. But then you're a it. wizard, and it's like, oh, at first level, I'm, I already know magic. So yeah, it's, it's, not perfect. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Great. I agree with the the oath coming at first level. You should at least know what oath you're gonna take by first level, so you can start role playing into it. I I think that's a great thing because I feel like if I were to quote unquote do that, I would still probably keep it where you can't necessarily get the benefits of the oath till third level because you're still subscribing to the you still have to ascribe to the to the tenets of the oath correct you know and i think you can totally do that in role play you can have that like i know i'm going to take devotion at third level so i'm role playing into that now but well because that's basically so if you think of like uh templars from dragon age Mm-hmm. That's kind of the same thing, right? You could think of like levels one and two as being like your years of training before you actually get getting, your like phylactery. Getting your proficiency. Yeah. So you're still learning everything before you're actually designated and in tune completely with your uh, whatever you're taking on. You're still practicing those oaths, but you haven't taken the oath yet. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. And... I guess it's it. I think a lot of people probably the reason why they wish it was at first level because it's like I'm out here in the middle of a dungeon. If you guys excuse me, the DM just said we level up, so I'm gonna go take an oath real quick. Yeah, I'm gonna go right take back. an oath before my god <laughs> or before my know. ancestors. It, and... it could be fun role play where it's like this in the deepest darkest dungeon is when I took my oath and got well, granted that. And that's also know. that's also the problem with xp leveling right it's like yeah a lot of role play anywhere. actually can go into or should go into your leveling up process because it's very weird for you to suddenly go oh now that i've killed that goblin suddenly i know how to cast spells you know it's like that doesn't necessarily make sense okay. so that's why that's why it's a little more like okay you've come back from that adventure there's a little bit of downtime. In that downtime, you level up, 
and mm-hmm. this is what happens when you level yeah. up. Yeah. I I think I'm all for stuff like that, especially as you know when a significant level up is going to happen, right? Like that third level I think is significant where you're going to say, yeah, this is going to happen outside of the dungeon. You know, fifth level can typically be a pretty big one. Eighth level, like, yeah. especially when you get those proficiency upgrades, yeah. you know, like that fifth and eighth. Those and big changes. When you learn, like, really big new spells or new skills and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. The way, I, the way I tend to think about it, especially with stuff like Monk and stuff, it's like, you already know these things and you're practicing them but you're not ready to actually put them into use until you've hit this yeah. landmark. And then it's like, okay, I've practiced this enough. I've got it down. Now I can use it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think that should all be part of your role play. You know, I, I love the thing of practicing feats before you uh, take them. I think that one of my favorite things was uh, in the game that, that you just played, um, before I took Sentinel, we were in the Thieves Guild, and for we had significant time with the Thieves Guild. It, we had like a few days, if I remember, because we were running around like, if I remember, we were like running around like taking out certain pockets of these things and helping the Thieves Guild. Yeah, yeah, they were helping us take out uh, bits of this organization that we knew uh, were right. connected to our friend's death. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then those downtime moments where we weren't out there doing stuff, we came back to the home base of the Thieves Guild and I was training. Um, mm-hmm. And so there was a... You you even went on an excursion with them, yeah. Yeah, and then when we took that next level, I took Sentinel. And it felt really cool because Sentinel's all about um, getting an attack of opportunity Uh even if the person takes a disengage action and it makes their speed zero. And I thought that was really cool because what a, who I was training with was basically a bunch of rogues yeah. um, who's probably doing that a lot. So I learned how to maybe anticipate that. So yeah. I don't know, just a little fun little quick tip. Uh, I just thought it, it, ma- it makes it more also enjoyable to take that feat and when it makes sense to the character. Yeah, I think I think a, a class that's really fun to do that with is Wizard. Um, it's really fun to get into the role play of Wizard as to like, okay, um, these are the spells I'm taking this level, and this is why, and this is how I've been studying them. Like, think about the... You don't have to say those things to anyone, not even your DM necessarily, but just think about it. Yeah. Think about why you're picking those spells, and think about how up until this point you've been studying those things and understanding how they work and stuff like that. Because for me, it's very fun to be like, okay, well, um, this level I think I'm going to take Fireball, of course. But it's not just because it's Fireball. It's because, um, uh you know, through my magic usage, I've become very uh, in tune with fire. I'm an evocation wizard. Fireball is very useful to me. I've also learned to weave it around my friends by this point, And that type of thing is very useful in battle. So um, it was just the natural next step, you know. And it can get even more fun as you get to higher level spells, which start to get kind of narrower and narrower in their like use cases you know well that's even fun 
definitely with just with wizards but that, that's something i'm even doing with with my bard um mm-hmm. we're experiencing a lot of fey and so there's a lot of like these little um fey creatures that are turning invisible um so that's something that i took at when i got access to level two spells as my my character i took the invisibility spell because he's seeing all these creatures who are fey so they're probably not casting it in necessarily a way of arcane they're probably maybe a little bit more of a sorcerer maybe even a bar type of way because fey and so that's that was the reason why i took that spell was because i see all these creatures yeah doing that and i think it's fun to just be even mindful of what you're you know paying attention to because there's could be even a moment where you go up against another spellcaster and you see them cast a spell and you're like oh maybe the he took it because he saw that person cast it and was trying to mimic it and so in his off time he's trying to remember how that person did that spell so i know almost nothing about bards because it's my least favorite class oh that's a bummer <laughs> Do you are is it not like cleric where you have a prepared list that you take from or do you just Oh no. Oh no. They are like sorcerers. They're like sorcerers. Okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. Right now I'm experiencing it because I think we're so low level and I'm, you know, we'll we'll see as we get higher, but right now I'm a little bit like um a little bit lackluster in how many spells I get. I know the the bards I have played is um College of Lore Bards who get access to Magical Secrets at an earlier level. For those of you that don't know, Magical Secrets is basically uh, at certain levels a bard. It typically comes on at level 10, but except for the College of Lore who gets access, I believe, at level 6. And you can pick three spells from any spell list. Yeah. um, Which is great, but you don't get that on a normal bard until level 10. So that's something I'm kind of running into where I, I feel like I'm not getting access to a lot. And I get it. I'm only level four, I believe. And that's a, that's one of the main reasons I way prefer wizards to sorcerers is yeah. I feel like sorcerers' um, choice and eventual full like list of spells is so restricted. It really is. Um, they, get, they get a... They get a they get a lot more uh they get a lot more deviation in in how they can use those spells with their meta magic and stuff but um but what how many spells that like nothing beats wizard with <laughs> what well, spells you can get the, and how many you can get and just yeah. nothing beats wizard i i mean other than maybe cleric <laughs> the fact that the clerics well, but, can but get the access cleric, to everything the full cleric list is they, more restricted than the full wizard list. That's true. Wizards get a lot of spells. And that that is something I'm I'm missing having played a a wizard in your campaign where we made it to level 10. It's yeah. like, dude, you get so many spells, two every level up and then you get to keep the spells so you can interchange them. Yeah. Whereas bard and sorcerer, you only get one per level up and then you can replace a spell so you can Get rid of a spell and take a new oh, one if you want to. Okay, okay. So it's kind of like Warlock in that way. Oh, I guess Sorcerer does that too, huh? It does. Yep, Sorcerers would do that too. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. I think there's a variant rule where like every... Well, maybe it's every... 
maybe I'm thinking of something else. I think Switch, I was thinking switching every, out cantrips. Yeah, something like that. That's like a every sort of thing. It's every ASI or something. I think it's every ASI. Okay, yeah, something like that. Um, I think there's a bard thing where that comes up. I I don't quote me there. So uh, we'll we'll see. I played a sorcerer, mainly sorcerer, for the first time in a in a one shot that uh, our friend Kenny ran a little while back. I don't know if he talked to you at all, at all about he, that. He he mentioned it to me briefly. Yes. Um, and we're gonna continue that later. So we'll talk about that once we get to play the second half. That's but, so cool. Uh, but yeah, I played a I played a, a a rogue warlock. Or sorry, not rogue. A sorcerer warlock. Um, only two levels of warlock. Um, and we played at seventh level, Ooh. Um, and it was very fun because I, I had never really played sorcerer at all. Uh, I've built with sorcerer a couple times just to test it out, but I've never actually really played a sorcerer. What sorcerer did you go? It was a lot of fun. So I built a a burst healer, a nova healer. Um, and I went Sorcerer Warlock to play a healer, which sounds weird. Uh, yeah, so I went Divine Soul Sorcerer. Um, I played an Azamar. That's uh, so cool. Uh, it was very, very fun. Um, <laughs> because if I wanted to, I could sit there and throw out four Eldritch Blasts at level 7 if I wanted to using mm, meta yep. magic, Or I could um, do, you know, feasibly upwards of... Uh, 30 to 40 points of healing in one turn if I wanted to. Um, very fun. I was actually very... When when just creating Dara, we were exploring other options because there. I know I went Bard, but very possible could have gone Warlock and we were exploring different Warlocks. The, the, yeah. the Warlock, divine, the Divine Warlock is really good. Celestial. Celestial the Celestial one. one. Yeah, that one's really good. It is. Um, yeah, so and this... The, I ended up going Hexblade. Mm, okay. Um, mostly because I don't take very many levels of Warlock. I only took two levels. And Hexblade gave me, like, medium armor and stuff, yeah, so it's kind of hard to beat those bonuses. Really <laughs> it's hard to beat those bonuses. Um, uh, especially Hexblade's curse is also very useful. Yeah, and it makes Booming Blade that much better. It yeah, makes, that was another you know, thing. Yeah, using Booming Blade was was very good. Yeah, so um, it was just really fun because it was a super versatile character. It's like yeah, I could do a ton of damage from really far away because Eldritch Blast is 120 feet. Yep. I could do a ton of, ton of damage from right next to you because I've got Hexblade and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, whatever it's called, like Booming Blade, like you just said. Yep. Or I could... Um, heal my teammate from halfway across the the battlefield for 40 points of damage using Yay. spells and stuff you know so it's 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 a very versatile character it was a, it was a lot of fun that's cool well we might have to go we might have to explore that one shot in another episode that would be cool because it's technically a two shot so once we finish the second half uh i'll definitely talk about it it'll be a lot that's of fun. cool I Kenny actually called me and was going brainstorming ideas. Actually, when when you were here, actually for the Renaissance Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, oh so yeah. That, oh, that's right. He called you yeah. while you were there. Yeah. So I think he was brainstorming yeah. ideas. I think it's that one. Did it? Did it have to do with um, you guys went to like a different realm and like yep. Shadowfelly, yep, yep, yep. Fey Wildy? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We'll we'll definitely talk about that in a later episode. But let's get to what 
everyone came here for, Curtis, and that is hearing segway, about segway, your... Segway. What's that? Segway, 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 segway. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to the meat of the episode. That's what I like to say. We call this the, the meat. meat of the episode time, uh, where we get to uh, hear about Curtis's venture uh, that's been happening um, in the world of Pathfinder in the city of... Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. Starts with a K. Ka- oh, Caldova Ka- comes to mind. Cor- I don't think that... C- Cordova? Corv... Corv... I, I, I don't Corvosa. Know. God. Corvosa. I was close. Okay. Corvosa. <laughs> Corvosa. So let me try that yep. again. <clears throat> In the city of... I forgot it already. <laughs> <laughs> Corvosa. Um, yeah, Corvosa. I, I, so if, if I recall, last we left off, yeah, you guys had all met um, mm-hmm. for the first time because uh, you hated this uh, jerk who was running like this underground... Um, Gadron. Mm-hmm. Gadron. Gadron, yes. Uh, and he um, was a very bad person. Uh, and someone was a patron of sorts was getting you all together um, to, uh, to basically go take this guy out. And before we get into the story, I think something I'm noticing as I'm editing these, I think what we should lay out, and I'll probably do this next time we talk about, let's lay out okay. who the players are. Um, so that yeah. way we can just straight up just get that. So now when, if we have, we have that all straightened out and now we can move, push forward whenever, um, uh, it comes up. We're not just, oh yeah, this other person that's in it. It's kind of <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> like they, yeah. you guys haven't talked about them for four so, sessions. Um, so, so I am playing, uh, Callan, Callan Kestrel, um, uh, uh, our friend Katie is playing uh, Callan's sister, whose name is Kitty. So it's Callan and Kitty Kestrel. Um, so Katie's playing Kitty. It's very easy to remember. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, and then uh, so our friend Josh is playing a uh, – sorry, and Kitty is also uh, 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 is a mainly wizard. No multi-class. Multi-class, okay. We are level two gotcha. now, so I guess there is a subclass. Um, okay. <laughs> we, we have our friend Josh who's playing a gnome bard uh, whose name is Squish. Oh, God. Uh, we oh, have... His name is Squish? Squish. Well, that's, Squish. His, that's his stage name. He, okay. he hasn't, okay. We don't that know I his real guess. name yet. Um, uh, we have our friend... Um, Scott, who is playing a barbarian fighter, I think, at this point, whose name is Tombstone. Um, and uh, uh, I'll probably get their p- permission to make sure, uh, and I might, I, I'll probably put up their char- character art. Um, so, because yeah. uh, we have access to all that. So I'll probably do that. So, as Curtis explains, I'm mm-hmm. uh, popping up character art. For those of you that are listening, um, go over to the YouTube channel and find that Tams, you know, that time stamp. And okay. Um, anyway. anyway, yeah. So five, five player. Oh, one more, I believe. Yes, Joel is playing. Sorry, I forgot who I had mentioned already. Joel is playing a uh, 
uh, knowledge cleric named Elora. Yes. So yes. that's a human, total of five players. Cleric. Yeah. Or a total half of elf. Five Sorry, play- she's half elf. Oh, yeah, she is. Yep. Oh, yeah, that's really we, cool. We didn't know until, like, the third session, but she's half elf. Nice. Yeah, so five players are, are venturing forth. So now that we ha- have that kind of taken care of, I was mm-hmm. kind of like, maybe that'll make things a little bit more clear yeah, as hopefully. we go forth. So that way we're not just throwing out names and they're like, oh, I guess that person's part of this party. And then yeah. when we get to mine, I'll state who's in who's in our party. Um, but anyway, uh, yes, last last we left off, you guys had all gotten together. Uh, and you guys went straight to a, a market, to a fish market, and you started a fight. So so not a fish market. It was like a, it was like a straight up, uh, it was a, uh, basically a warehouse on the dock that is a fishery where they uh they take in fish and they they gut it and they uh repurpose it and uh sell it as whatever else yeah get that fish oil you know it's really good for you we had uh we had gotten in a fight inside i think i talked about that i think i talked about all the way up until we got out of the main building and we were we were about to talk about spiders is that right i believe so because um (laughs) people's possibly could have started um dying (laughs) yeah yeah so uh so we got out of the main building and kind of snuck into the back uh where there was a ship at the dock there at Mm -hmm. the fishery um we made our way onto this ship because it was the only place left to look for this gaydring guy Uh, we still hadn't found him yet um and we got onto the ship and uh turns out it was old and decrepit and full of spiders but not your typical spiders. Instead, these were uh, basically cat and or dog-sized, medium dog-sized um, spiders uh, that have a paralyzing venom. <laughs> uh, very dangerous, especially at level one, which mm-hmm. you guys all were at this point. Um, and I was thinking about that, and I was like, that's almost more terrifying than a giant spider. Yeah. I don't know. Like, if, if I were to see a cat-sized yeah. spider crawling up to me, that would be freaky. I, yeah. Like, there's something about, like, giant, like, Shelob from Lord of the Rings-sized yeah. spiders that are just, like, that's spider spooky. that's, like, bigger than you, that's a little less spooky, because that's, like, okay, well, you're big, I guess. But small spiders, <laughs> it's, like, uh, not small, but, like, like, like this size spider. Right. Like, if a spider right. was this big... It can still crawl on you, right? That, which that, is the scariest thing about spiders. Spiders yes. <laughs> being on you and crawling around you is the scariest thing about spiders, right? Those eight legs going blah, 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 all over you. So when one is that big, it can still leap on you and like skitter around your body and and I, I still don't know. You know, I, I'm kind of one of those people that at, I'm not that really point, a huge fan. At that fan point, of- you're like perfect prey size for them. Because to a normal spider, it's like, okay, well, there's this bug that's a little bit bigger than the spider that gets caught in its web, right? But if yeah. the spider's dog-sized, you are the perfect prey size you- <laughs> for that spider. Perfect. Sorry. Yeah, you're you. not a grain of rice. You're not a grain of rice to the giant spider. You're yeah. you're perfect. <laughs> that that's that's web size of being totally you're not caught. A, you're not an ant in its right. web. You are. Oh, great! This is a good meal for us today. 
Yeah. That's what you are to that spider. And then on top of that, it's not just one. It was a swarm of them, correct? It, well, well, yeah, it was like, uh, it was four or five. I don't remember exactly. It was four or five of these. Gotcha. Uh, now, spiders. I'm not, you know, maybe it wouldn't be quite as scary if I could shoot fire from my hands. But still, um, <laughs> well, that, that is well, pretty and, spooky. Um, uh, one attacked us right away as we got onto the ship. And we took care of it pretty quickly. But it did take down Elora, our cleric, run by Joel. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, she got taken out and saved from the poison. So she wasn't at disadvantage or anything, but she dropped to zero hit points, which meant the paralyzation took effect. Um, right. so she was, st- so the way most giant spiders work in D and D, uh, is they have a natural effect where if their bite, um, drops a, uh, a, a character to zero hit points. The character is not making death saves. They are stabilized, but paralyzed um, for a certain amount of time. Um, right. That's the way most spiders work. And the and the idea behind that is like, okay, well, when a spider bites its prey, it's not trying to just outright kill it and destroy it. It's trying to paralyze it and save it for later. So so, so it they doesn't can just kill you. Eat the fresh. Yeah, Inside. yeah, yeah, yeah. Meats back so, on our menu, boys. Yeah, meats back on our menu, boys. <laughs> um, so uh, the spider uh, paralyzes our cleric, and we're like, "Well, nothing we can do for her. We didn't have any potions, and she, uh, uh, our bard, had kind of already used his spells, I think. So um, we didn't have anything to do but wait for the paralyzation to wear off. Ooh, um, okay. And and so we were like, okay, well. While we wait for that, let's kind of explore the bottom half of this boat. Um, actually, that's not what happened. Uh, what actually happened was we explored the top part of the boat, and as we were walking around the top part of the boat, some of the wood broke out from under us, so we fell oh. into the bottom part of the boat where suddenly we were swarmed by, like, four more spiders and had uh. to fight them without our cleric. <laughs> Um, oh no! He, so so one by one, we kept getting taken out and paralyzed, right? Okay. Until okay. I was the only one left standing, not paralyzed. I managed <laughs> with my telekinesis to move most of my. We noticed that the spiders weren't going up the stairs. They didn't want to go out of their nest. They weren't going back okay. up to the top. I managed to move most of my friends up the stairs with my telekinetic feet um, up the stairs so that they weren't in immediate danger. But as I was doing this, I also got hit to zero hit points and went down right at the top of the stairs. Well, that was actually kind of clutch though, to, to be using it to push your allies away. That, yeah. That's pretty clever. So I was moving their bodies as they were all paralyzed and unconscious, all kind of like pushing them around and moving them up um, and pulling some of them away. Um, so what then happened was dips, roll the dice and said, okay, we're going to have a time skip really quickly. And suddenly Elora loses her paralyzation and she stands up. She doesn't know what's happened. She couldn't see anything because she was paralyzed down face up like this. She couldn't tell what happened. She heard things happen. Okay. Um, but then she kind of walks into the ship and walks into a ship full of us all paralyzed on the floor. Um, 
Uh, <laughs> oh and my so, god. <laughs> Uh, what she ended up having to do was killing the last spider that was up while she had like 10 or less hit points. Dude. Um, uh, so she killed the last spider and then waited for all of us to get up. We all got up, kind of healed up and stuff, and we were okay. Oh, man. Uh, I think we took can, a short can rest. Can you imagine if she didn't kill the spider? <laughs> if she didn't kill the spider and, got, clutch, and got taken down instead, I think what Dip would have uh, decided was we all basically... Uh, get eaten at that point yeah um, i mean and then you can all like, and the only, literally the only <laughs> thing that saved us was she was all the way up top where they weren't gonna go she was paralyzed okay. up there where they weren't gonna go gotcha um, so and you know and this may be a fun question to ask dip because i'm really curious because I, I personally don't know what i would do in this like if i sat down and i was like we're, we did all this work to prep the, these characters, yeah. and then we're, we're going on this probably two-year campaign, and they all die in the first session. I don't know what I would do as a dungeon master. Do I, do I restart, or do... I think all I would do is go, okay, uh, let's take two weeks. Next week, we're going to do another session zero with new characters. They're all also going to have reasons to hate Gadron. Um, and then this benefactor is going to find those five people and go, okay, well, the last group didn't work out. Now you are going to go get him. And then when those people go get him, they're going to find a boat full of desiccated corpses <laughs> with, with good gear. Like, I, I feel I, like that makes sense. That that's makes what sense. I would do. Yeah. That's, I, I really don't know what I would do. Just, just, just because and I think it depends. I, I personally, I'd probably just ask all, all the players. Uh, and just be like, do you guys want to start, or would you just want to? Because it's like it's session one. If yeah. if it was a few sessions down, exactly, I think that's what I would do. But session technically, one, this at this point it was session two, I think. Uh, no, that's no. Oh man, now I can't remember. I think session one finished after the spiders. That that sounds familiar because I do, I do remember Joel texting Sarah and being like, oh my god. Yeah, and then we took our short rest. Okay, so to get it to keep us getting caught up, uh, we took our short rest, um, left the boat uh, through like a secret hatch that was on the side that took us under the fishery. Okay. Um, through this like secret dock passageway. Um, so we were all on short rest at this point. So so no leveled spells left for any of our casters. Um, most of our long rest stuff was gone and I don't think any of us were at full hit points at this point. Um, so we left the boat, uh, went under the fishery, went to this kind of warehouse looking room that had a big open pit into the water in the middle of it. And in there to all of our players surprise, but characters hopes was Gadron just there, right there, just in there. (laughs) Uh, the guy we're actually looking for. I, as a player, I I really thought that we were not going to find this guy until like the end of chapter one of this book. Okay. No, I kind of thought so too from hearing uh, the bits and pieces of, from Which you guys. Which is usually was... a, f- a few sessions in. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but no, right away in session two, we find him. Uh, we have a fight with him. Um, and his uh, kind of pet, not really pet, more just leashed wild animal, um, <laughs> Gobblegut. His name is Gobblegut. Gobblegut. He was, he was a uh, a 
crocodile. Ah. Oh, no. Gobble, Gobblegut's a great name for a wild alligator. <laughs> great name for an alligator. So that big pit that was open into the water in the middle of the room was like Gobblegut's area. Oh, so cool. So if you get okay. too close to the sides, he can attack you. Um, uh, uh, but it doesn't take too long, except Alora goes down in the fight. Okay. Um, but it was basically just us and Gadrin as long as we stayed away from the pit. Um, and now, was he a spellcaster or was he, he was like a not. fighter? Of he sorts. was more like a rogue. Um, he had, interesting. I think okay. he had he had a, a a hand crossbow that he was using. Um, and I think he was doing sneak attack if I remember right, but or maybe he was doing poison damage. One of the two. Um, but his his arrows hurt. If they hit you, if they hit you, it was bad. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, so at the start of the fight, he basically insulted each and every one of us because we all have reasons to hate him, and he uh-huh. remembered all of us. And he recognized all of you? He yeah. recognized Oof. all of us. And Alora um, seemingly had the closest relationship with him based on this, the way this fight kind of went. She mm-hmm. seemingly had the closest relationship, spent the most amount of actual time with the man, um, my character never even had seen him at that point, but had a lot of reasons to hate him because of knowing what he had done and the way what he had done had affected me personally. Um, uh, same with, same with my sister Kitty, I believe, uh, same with her. I don't know for sure, but I believe it's the same with her. It was all like, this character has done a lot of things that have, um, uh, secondhandly affected us terribly. Gotcha. Um, because of the effect that they've had on the city. Um, it seemed like Alora and Squish had much more personal ties to the man. Ooh, Squish did too. Squish, Squish our board, our board over here. Squish seemed to have seen him before, at least, and maybe dealt with him before. But I'm not a hundred percent sure there. Um, our barbarian tombstone um, seemed to have almost no idea who the guy was, but it was the reason he was here was more of like a uh, more diplomatic. Yeah, um, because okay. his people his people are called the Shwanti. They're almost like a native tribe, almost like Native Americans in America. They're like a native okay. tribe who uh, have a very tenuous relationship with the people of Corvosa. Um, and it seems almost more like he's here diplomatically. And so his goal here was to just bring in a guy who is bad for the city so that it helps the Shwanti have a better face, essentially, gotcha. in helping this. That makes sense. That makes sense. His goal, I think at this point, my character believes his goal is to create a face that the people of Corvosa can look up to that is Shwanti. Because right now they see all Shwanti as basically scum and weirdos and... Second-class citizens type of thing. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah. So, we fight this guy. And the way the fight goes out, we... um, Essentially, he takes out Alora first. um, Because they seemed to have had the most personal relationship. And she got pretty upfront with him. She tried to get a little too close because she was, like, really hacking at him. And he took her (laughs) out right away. Um, But... Uh, Tombstone gave him a good knock to the head and then 
Cal managed to shove him into the water with Gobblegut. Oh, nice. And now Gobblegut is not a pet. He is a wild animal that he just keeps there by offering food and stuff. So as soon as he's in the water, Gobblegut doesn't know the difference and just annihilates him. Um, (laughs) And we found out that uh, basically a form of torture he would do. So this Gadrian guy, let me explain a little bit about him. He's basically a crime boss. He's a crime boss with fingers in just about everything in the city. A lot of drug use and stuff like that. Um, But also uh, uh, he has these people called Gadrian's Lambs because his name is Gadrian Lamb. So Gadron's lambs, as in L-A-M-B-S, mm-hmm. are children that are orphans and stuff like that that Gadron basically takes in under the guise of uh, giving them work and stuff, but eventually just creates this child labor workforce that he right. just treats terribly. Um, mm-hmm. And so what he would do is if a, t- if a child had given him disappointment one too many times... He would bring them down into this den, hang them above the water, and ask them trivia questions oh my that have no right answer. And every time they get an answer wrong, he would lower them down another foot, and then another foot, and then until they were in the water and Gobblegut would get them. Oh that my was how gosh. he would show his, like, you do bad by me, this is what you get. Um, oh no. So... We all thought it was a very fitting end that he got fed to Gobblegut no, himself. No, that that is that is wonderful. I think that's a wonderful way to to uh, finish off a horrible person. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Oh my gosh. To move on to the the big reveal. Okay. Remember last time yes. I talked about this benefactor that had brought us all together. Was mm-hmm. this uh, Verician lady, which they're a lot like the, uh, uh, you know, they do like uh, tarot card readings and they're very spiritual and stuff like that. Verisians. Mm-hmm. Nomadic people, naturally. Um, yes. Uh, she brought us all together. We get through this whole thing. We take out Gadron. We're exploring his personal quarters and we find a lot of things. First of all, we find a big chest full of his personal trophies that very interestingly has a brooch of the queens, the queen of Corvosa, which is Ooh, very eyebrow interesting. eyebrow raise. Okay. Uh, we find that brooch. Uh, we also find a hat box with flies buzzing around it. Oh, no. To which at this point, I very rightly posted in our chat a, uh, a gif of <laughs> um, uh, from the movie. Oh, what's that movie? Is it Numbers uh, or seven. whatever? Seven. Seven, uh, I think. Uh, of him going, what's in the box? What's because in the I box? I know what's in that box. <laughs> we take the box oh, down. Oh, no. And open it up. And lo and behold, it is the head of our benefactor. Dude, but so okay. Wait, hold on, hold on. So did did she did she die before you could? Well, the flies were there. So so it was much older and more desiccated than being dead for a few days, possibly weeks. And we had just gotten this job from her in person hours (laughs) ago. So she was a ghost. So we look at this box and we're like what the what the heck 
Yeah. What's going on here? Um, we take the box. The box also had a, a little box inside of it that had her Harrow card deck, which is what she used to give us the reading last time. Uh-huh. Um, looked exactly the same. Had all the markings on it and everything. So we were like, okay, so that e- that wasn't even real. Um, so we take that. We take our treasures. We take our stuff. Um, I'll get to that in a second. On our way out, uh-huh. um, Kit, who who is Kitty, um, finds a little box over on a table full of these little vials that have this semi-clear kind of uh, cloudy fluid in them. Okay. And uh, uh, she starts pouring them out into the water. None of the okay. early, none of the other characters are allowed to know what this is all about, but uh, her and Cal had a very big argument about this as she was pouring them out, and she stood her ground and didn't allow him to do anything with these vials. Okay. Um, uh, but they had was a very a... large argument about it. Nobody knows well, what the vials are. Okay. Um, so are you, are you keeping this a secret? I'm keeping then? this a secret. I just want to okay. mention it because it's kind of important for later, and I'm sure it'll get revealed eventually. I have an idea. Um, so but... she empties these out into the into the water, and they're like fighting the whole time about it. Um, but uh, yeah, so we leave. Um, with the box, with the head in it, with all of our treasures, uh-huh. with everything, with Gadron being eviscerated, he's he's a he's a uh, a, he's, he's a, mess. a puddle he's a eaten. puddle of blood and flesh in in yeah. in the in the wash. Yeah. Um, leave in there. Uh, so we leave with the the queen's brooch and all of the other things. Uh, mm-hmm. We get back to the house that we all met in that belongs to our benefactor. We walk into this house. And it looks decrepit, like it's been looted, like it's just hasn't been lived in in weeks. Oh, dude. And uh, we step in and we notice looking on the ground that there's a layer of dust on everything. But we can see our footprints from earlier that same day (laughs) in the dust. Oh, that's amazing. So we step in, we go in, we reset up the table, we take a sit and we all kind of chill out and uh the ghost because at this point she appears to us as a semi-spectral form okay of our benefactor appears to us dude thanks us and explains that what actually happened was she tried to do what we did first alone okay okay and was killed and so instead what she decided to do after um was she was still held to this plane um, got us all together by sticking these cards in all of our personal belongings to get us to come here and actually take care of Gadron and now she can rest and then she dissipates dude that is so good that closes that little thing very cool so we bury her head in the backyard all that stuff Uh, that closes that little loop (laughs) while we're leaving the fishery Mm-hmm. The next bit of the story kind of comes in. As we're leaving, the streets are literally in chaos. There is rioting in the streets. Oh, dear. Okay. And we find out as we're traveling through like back streets and stuff that the king has succumbed to his sickness. He has died. And the queen of Corvosa has taken his throne and the city hates 
this queen because oh, she's no. not from here. One, right? She's okay. a quarter of the king's age. Two, and uh, she has uh, uh, continuously spoken about how she does not like Corvosa. So she's from Cheliax, uh, uh-huh. which is a different uh, country. Which mm-hmm. Cheliax uh, people first came down and settled Corvosa. Okay. But now it's a little more of a melting pot. There's Verissians, there's uh, Chelish people, there's all this different stuff. Um, but she's like Cheliac's royalty that came down and became the queen uh, to the king here. Um, and she sees Corvosa as kind of like a dark mirror of, of Cheliac's. Like it's mm. awful, it's poor, it's terrible, that doesn't have all the actual nice things that Cheliac's has. But okay. now suddenly okay. she's queen, and so a bunch of the city has basically declared foul play um, that she killed the king in order to take the throne. So the city's rioting. So that's where our story's going to take us in the future. Um, and we're gotcha. already a couple sessions into some of that stuff there, but we'll have to get to that next time because we're nearing our end here. But um, but it, it starts getting really interesting. Um, our first line of business after that was we rested um uh in our benefactor's old home next day we all made our ways back to our own homes because again it's a city campaign we all live here yeah Um, so we all go to our own homes uh rest for a full day get our wits about us and then we all meet at a singular place the day after that okay decide that we're a group now this is what we're gonna do we've got this brooch that right. belongs to the queen. The city's mm-hmm. crazy right now. Let's bring this to the palace, see what we can do, and see if they can uh, uh, see if we can be of use in any way, mm-hmm. essentially. See if we can make yeah. some money to some of us, make some money to others of us, uh, gather friends and resources to others, just right. be of help. Um, Offer so, your services, so yeah, to so, say. So as a group, we decide we're going to bring this brooch to... Uh, uh, to the temple uh, or uh, uh, to the castle um, and yeah we'll pick up there next time dude that's so cool and really honestly cool I'm just opening. like that little cool little twists and turns I love that yes. and then with like a little thread on how to continue I almost feel like that would be a great little section to introduce someone to yeah. like role playing because I feel like that would be very simple because you're all getting together for a cause that's not just you all meet in a tavern and it also gives you it gives you immediately a reason to be invested because your character has had so much happen to them because of this human being and now you're going after him and you meet them like within one or two sessions and it's like what do you do when you meet them like what does that bring out in you it's a really good uh, opportunity for some role play to happen. I, I almost feel like, and, and especially when you're going into that, and you're like thinking, like, okay, that'll probably be the 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 level three, level four, possibly yeah. level five. When that's you exactly take him out. what I was thinking. I was thinking like we'd we'd hit level three before we even met him. Yeah, and so that's that's kind of cool. That's almost nice and tight, and yeah. then it has that little thread, so you can be like, okay, what are you guys gonna do from here? In our last game, which you were there for. Um, this whole bit was basically just the goblin attack. Right. On Sandpoint, right? right? So in our last Mm -hmm. game, we were all 
uh, random people just in this town for a festival. Goblins attack during the festival. We all come together to fight off the goblins, and then suddenly we're all tasked with this next thing, right? It's that. But 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 the motivation was so much heavier and more involving. It was very interesting because all of us all of us had to have a tie-in and a reason that we were going after Gadrin. So we all didn't like him for various reasons. Some very personal. Some just because uh, because he's a bad guy and we need to get rid of him. Yeah, exactly. No, I think that's great and. It also kind of connects you guys a little bit more too. Yeah, um, we all have a shared it, it's, trauma, almost. Yeah. Right. It's 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 you know when you're in this place of you're all adventurers. I have a sword. You have a sword. We both do this, and we just fought some goblins together. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, we can we can go on this, ed, you know, go on this next trail. But this one is kind of like. Hey, we got together. We have this, like you said, past, past trauma that we may have shared, but we also succeeded. Like we yeah. took out the guy, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and we got our revenge that we needed. And that's almost kind of like now you can almost kind of use that for role play. Do you do you cope with that? You got your revenge. How does that go? I was going to say you could play that kind of two ways, right? You could you could say, "Great, I got my revenge. I'm ready to move on," or yeah. you can say. <sighs> that didn't fill that hole mm-hmm. what was it really him or is there something else too yeah i don't like, i don't feel any better it didn't yeah. help anything i'm glad knowing he's gone but now what do i do yeah. Um, yeah and that can lead you to trying to do more good things more and more mm-hmm. and more or it can lead you down a path of all right we're all together now. What's the next thing I can kill? Because I just need more of that satisfaction. Yeah. Anger yeah. leads to hate, you know? It's kind of like you had this anger. Hate leads to suffering. Yeah. So it's... <laughs> and suffering is the path to the dark side. The path to the dark side. So are, are, is your character going to go that way in session three or, you know... <laughs> We'll see. Uh, we'll. I, I love to hear about what's this this argument that goes on between siblings over vials being poured. We're a few sessions past this, and I had hoped to talk about it uh, uh, today. But my character continuously causes <laughs> problems <laughs> for our group to solve. Um, so we'll get to it. that next time. Uh, needless to uh, suffice it to say. Um, uh, what starts as meeting uh, a crazy man in the street ends as running away from the scene of a crime. So we'll get there next time. <laughs> oh, that that grin of satisfaction as Curtis says that. That might be the thumbnail picture that I put you on. That's great. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, Curtis, for telling me the story. I thank you guys. If you got this far and are listening, thank you so much for sticking around. I hope we're entertaining. I was entertained. Thank you, Curtis. Of course. My pleasure. (laughs) It's what I live to do. Oh, man. Well, tune in next time to uh, hear what we talk about then. I'm Jake. This is Backyard Tabletop. I'm Curtis, and uh, uh, I play a character who's a nuisance <laughs> that's it yeah that's it, it it's not Dungeons and Dragons until 
uh you're a nuisance goodbye everybody as long as it's okay with your table well 